The mama bear of Camp Wilson, Kelly Wilson. Hello! Yeah. Um, we're here to discuss the 2003 Disney film Brother Bear, um, which I barely remembered. Um, <laughs> b- bad bear joke count one. Um, here come the bear puns. Yeah, they're unbearable. Oh. Some of them are truly grisly. Oh, you deserve a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. Fish. Okay, yeah, as I always ask, um, <laughs> what what is your history with this film, starting with Kel? Um, I watched it a lot when I was sort of a an older child slash young teenager. Um, me and my friend used to watch it a lot, all the time. It, it, we felt it was, apart from a couple of scenes, we felt it was an easygoing film that you could just put on and watch again and again. Okay. Um, with some nice easygoing music as well. Obviously some some sad bits, which we'll get to later, but... Generally, it was an easy-to-watch film, and I've watched it a lot, but not recently. So the last time we watched it um, is the first time I've watched it in a, well over a decade. Hmm. Okay. Um, Pandy, had you seen this before? I had not seen it before, no. And um, I, I, I had heard about it, but by this point when it first came out, I had kind of fallen out of love with the Disney films or had grown out of them, mm. and... This one didn't really appeal to me to to pursue and go out. I had heard about it and generally knew what the plot of the film was going to be and kind mm. of exactly what was going to happen. And uh, yesterday I was proved right uh, by by watching it uh, for the first time, 20 years after it was originally been released. Yeah, well, let me check the release date, actually, because we, uh, we're at or around the 20th anniversary. Um, the first, 2003. Oh, so, oh, the... 20th anniversary was like a few weeks ago so, yeah um so like you i didn't see disney films in the theater anymore i thought i was too old for them too old for this shit um i do remember the trailers basically revealing you know spoilers keen eyes turned into a bear what yeah who to thunk yeah i know um right? so th- I, he I, would I, find a brother somewhere along the way mm-hmm yeah, um, brother from another mother. Did, I did see it like maybe ten or fifteen years ago. I, I went through a phase where I was sort of it was like re-examining Disney films with like older eyes and sort of filling in the gaps. But I'd only seen it once before and seen it twice for this review, as always. Um, side question, which I think is relevant: What do each of you think of Phil Collins's songs in Tarzan? Because this film, he returns to to write the songs. After you, I can't say I've ever watched Tarzan, so I can't compare. Really? <laughs> huh. I mean, the only thing I remember from Tarzan is the song that he wrote, 
um, which is kind of it's it's you're, you're, you're more than one, but... my... yeah thank you for making the man who's lost his voice sing <laughs> oh. a song that's very kind of you wife. oh sorry uh, you'll be in my heart oh that you'll one be... yeah. I um, don't know much about Phil Collins I know he's a he's a big star of kind of UK music and he's got a, a very loyal fan base in the uh, people who like Genesis but for me and my kind of cohort and peers he was never a big thing and the the biggest thing that people will recognize with him is his contribution to the Cadbury's advert with the gorilla plays the drums <laughs> um and you know it's a great song but the rest of his kind of output of work doesn't really make a great deal of impact in my life. Was, um, was it in the air tonight? Say, say again? Was it in the air tonight? Because I know he's famous for that one. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a kind of Cadbury's advert, and the idea being it's a, a glass full of fun in every bar of chocolate, and there's a gorilla playing the drum solo from in the air tonight. And uh, ho, ho, ho. But, you know, he's he's relatively inoffensive as far as I'm aware. I don't mm. think this film shows off his best work. Um, but that's that's not to say the films aren't effective within the the, the piece. But we'll we'll come to them later on, I guess. But I okay. don't understand the the hate he gets uh, per se. Right. Um, that, I, I recorded the Tarzan review a few months ago, so you can go back to think about. It. But I, but suffice to say, I didn't mind at the time. But that was an okay break from the musical formula. I feel was getting a getting a bit thin with some of the Disney films, like. Hunchback and Hercules, and um, so it was, it was a good change of pace, but not it's not exactly something I read. It's not the first Disney soundtrack I reached for, even from the 90s. Um, would you say, or is it would it be true to say that Phil Collins will be the one of the first kind of high profile musicians to score a Disney film with Tarzan? Well, there's Elton John, mm. oh, of course, yes, yeah, silly yeah. me, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, um. But then there was a, a would have been a considerable gap though. Yeah, um, I don't think there. If there are any other major examples, well, actually, he wasn't nearly as big. But the actor who played um, the rooster in Robin Hood, he was a fairly big country music star. Ah, uh, yes, I remember uh, you saying actually. Yeah, yes. I think Roger Miller or something like that. Or he, he like not like Willie Nelson or like Johnny Cash or like like. <laughs> <laughs> that, that like well known, but he, but well known enough. Um, and may I say in passing how thrilled I was to see the rooster from Robin Hood get a, a, a quite a prominent part in the Disney Once Upon an Animation um, yes. hundred year thing, where he's yeah, kind of hanging nice. out, strumming away. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And th- th- I think this week was actually the th- we have a tangent, but this week was like the fiftieth anniversary of Robin Hood, and I saw that posted all over Facebook. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, he, yeah we in good spirits. Th- Yes, we had a little conversation about um, the, the order in which the Disney films made you into a furry and Robin Hood <laughs> being kind of step number one in the furry <laughs> conversion sequence. Episode one, the the Furton Menace. <laughs> the Furton Menace. Not so much with this film, but um, we should probably get into the, this one. Um yes. Production-wise, my understanding is that Disney and Michael Eisner wanted more animal-themed films after the success of The Lion King, and they wanted one in North America specifically. Um, and there was several early ideas floated. Like this would have been weird. One idea was to have a bear version of King Lear, with this old bear seeking out his three cub daughters. <laughs> 
I mean, it makes sense when you consider that the Lion King is Hamlet with lions. To, to an extent, yeah. Um, may as well get, you know, what's next? Snakes doing Coriolanus? <laughs> or hippos doing Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> oh, um, I'm trying to think. Well, or, that's, that's another rabbit hole we could go down. Coyotes um, doing The Tempest. Um, yeah, oh, I'd pay good money m- to see that. M- uh, much gnu about nothing. <laughs> um, or Cymbeline, uh, done entirely uh, by symbols and animals. As you pike it. Oh, very good. Okay, this <laughs> tragic comedy. Okay, okay. Um, another idea, though, had. Uh, well, there's another idea at one point, Denahi, the middle brother, he was going to be Kenai's father rather than his brother. Okay. Which would have been pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if, like, Sitka was still the brother. Like, it, if it was like a, Bor- it was like a Boromir, Faramir situation. <laughs> and he, he, he had blamed, or he was, like, somehow blamed for his, like, if um, Kenai was, like, the lesser loved brother. But, um... But they did, like with other like Disney films, like set in exotic places, they did research trips both into Alaska, where the film was set, and also Yellowstone in Wyoming, which I've actually been to. Um, I think we drove through Yellowstone, or near Yellowstone, on our ooh. last big Wilson family holiday. Uh, again, this would have been 20 years ago, and I remember oh. very little of it. I was playing Pokemon Sapphire in the back of the car. <laughs> I oh. was uncultured, and remain so to this day. I was actually playing Platinum earlier today to kill time. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah those are the days. Um, Absolutely. Uh, any, anything else to say before we get into this one proper? No, I don't think so. Okay, uh, Kelly, anything we miss or anything you want to say, no. say before we get into this? Um, later, I have got my top eight sad crying moments of Disney films, which one of them is Brother Bear. So oh. I will, I, I'll comment on that later. Do you have them ranked or just like eight in general? I do have them ranked. Oh, hmm. <laughs> interesting. So when we get to when we get to the sad parts, I can I can run through. <laughs> so, Kenai, you've decided to join the living. Ooh, that's quite a bump you've got there. That must have been one heck of a ride down those rapids, huh? Tanana? Oh. Oh. <gasps> Nana, you won't believe this. I was at the top of this huge rock, and all of a sudden, this. <laughs> Kenai, honey. <laughs> I don't speak bear. No. No, no, no. Did this? Hmm. Strange. 
spirits don't usually make these kind of changes. Oh, oh my, my, my. Sitka must have something really big planned for you. Yep, yep, yep. You are going to get a whole new perspective on things. Oh, you see in black and white or color? Hey, listen to me. You got yourself into this mess. If you want to change, take it up with your brother's spirit. You'll find him on the mountain where the lights touch the earth. He'll help you make up for what you've done wrong. But I, I didn't do anything wrong. Tanana? Tanana? Wait, I, I didn't do anything wrong. So, some opens. There's an intro. We get this narration. It, well, I should say... The past few Disney films have been rated PG, and this one is rated G, and it shows in places, I will say. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, Which is actually quite surprising, considering there's quite a lot of death and mortal peril in this film. In places, but it, we'll, we'll get into like how it's done. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's as many adult referen- little adult references as in some, mm-hmm. and... Even in, again, the, I think most of the Disney Renaissance films are rated G, but I think the the definitions or standards of them have changed throughout the ages. Like today, if a, fil- a film is PG, if it has like one adult joke, I think Moana has like one P joke and got a PG because of it. But um, <laughs> because the fish pee in you all day line, wow. <laughs> well, well, doesn't well, well, okay, but well, well, let's get to this film. Um, anyway, we got a narration um, from Old Man Danahi flashing forward. Um, he's voiced in, apologies, Inuk Titut, I think. Um, in in a way, let me check if that's the correct language. Yeah, it looks, yeah. Yeah, um, one of the inner languages. Um, he's talking like in a bonfire, like in front of some people. And the narration is actually by like a prominent like Alaska, Native Alaskan historian, but then reverse to English, but by somebody else, and talking, basically talking about um, about a, b- a boy who wanted to be a man. Um, and went through quite a lot of change in ooh. more ways than one. Um, I think it's worth saying something I noticed. Um, that it does start in the, and again, apologies, Inuktitut um, mm. language. Sorry if I didn't say that right. Mm. Yeah. But then it, it it's clear that, that the adult uh, Dinahi is speaking in the, the native tongue, but mm. then it's dubbed over in English narration. And I'm assuming that's their way of saying that, yeah, th- th- this is kind of him telling it's, it. This is the reason why it's in the English language, but actually it really is in the, the official language. And it's kind of, I think it's a better way of doing it than Pocahontas singing, listen with your heart, you will understand, to explain a weird language barrier thing between everybody. That was wanky. No no, doubt about that. But, okay, so I don't want to show my hand too early with this one, but one major thing that dates, well, there are two major things that date this film and in a bad way um, with regard to like native representation. So, this English narrator taking over and most of the, I think the entirety of the other quote unquote native cast, they're not, they're white. They're not, yes. they're not native. Not, they're not Alaskan or even native American actors. And even Pocahontas, I think except for grandmother, well, all the native Pohan characters were by native American actors. Um, mm. So th- this film is to, is 
guilty of whitewashing. To, uh, to be frank, fair. yes. Um, and then there's the the other thing is this is a, an issue that crops up later with specifically with Disney films, but this is an example of well, you can, it can be compared to Cusco and in, in um, Emperor's New Groove also, but this is an example of a non-white protagonist being shown only to be turned into into a non-human for most of the film. Yes. So yeah. it's, a, it, it's like, a step backward for, like, representation in, in two <laughs> ways, unfortunately. Um, and, the, and then again in Princess and the Frog. Yeah. And then um, J- Jamie Foxx's character. Have you seen the film Soul? The Pixar uh, film? Uh, yeah, I think I've seen the vast majority of it, yeah. 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 I didn't see the very beginning of it, but I saw most of it. And, yeah, yeah. again, the most mm. of the film, he's a cloud. <laughs> yeah, or a cat. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this, this isn't unprecedented. I mean, obviously, Cusco returned to a llama, but at least Cusco was surrounded by other fellow Incan char- or native characters throughout the film. Whereas th- this one, he, Kenai is surrounded mostly by bears and other animals. And so, the, I, hate, I hate to end on a bad note, but that is something that that is a mark against this film that I have. Um, Kel, am I being too harsh? No, I don't think so. I think it's a big, it's a big thing at the moment, isn't it? So mm-hmm. it's it's good to reflect back on on yeah. sort of older, even that you know, even though it was only twenty years ago, it's good to yeah. reflect back on on that. Yeah, it's something that like the Simpsons like only recently changed um, like the voices of their non-yellow characters. I'll say, um, <laughs> like um, um, Dr. Hibber is now voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, whereas before he was voiced by Harry Shearer, and mm-hmm. it's at, and there are other examples. Obviously, Apu is the most notorious, but um, yep. that does date the film. Um, this film does look beautiful, though, so I, I will mm. give it that because you can't. This film's set in Alaska, and even though I've never been to Alaska, by all accounts, it's amazing. And if you've ever seen, um, have you seen what's, what's the Christopher Nolan film? Have you seen Insomnia? I don't think I have. I have not. Oh, okay. Have you? Well, if you've ever seen any films or stuff in Alaska, it it looks amazing, and this film this film does capture that very well. Um, mm. I have to like say, the... I was admiring the um the texture of the mountains and the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was watching it last, I thought it was lovely. Yeah, like the the vastness of the wilderness and the mountains and the aurora borealis. Time to come to Dallas. Can you picture that? Um, <laughs> there is a bit. This will sound harsh, but it does feel like they're trying to capture a bit of that Lion King lightning, like the way that the song is sung, and like the, all the amazing wildlife shown, and even like they said, they there's a song that's by Tina Turner, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> which like, tells oh these three brothers united by love, blah blah blah. Um, and there's a, like showing like the these. Like, like showing off how beautiful this landscape is and all these animals, um, like including mammoths. We'll, we'll get a bit that later, but like, um, <laughs> and there's the reindeer stampede, which reminded me a bit of the wildebeest stampede. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and um, when we were watching the film and listening, Andy was like, "Is that Tina Turner?" <laughs> yeah. Googling away. Yes, it is. It is Tina. I was pleased to be able to identify Tina Turner, who, to be fair, has a very recognisable voice. So I shouldn't have been so smug. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't really like the song to begin with. It felt very kind of um, exposition heavy. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, this song is, uh, this film is set years and years ago when there were spirits around. It, it, okay. it, it tells, right. but the, well, I, I don't know how much music can show, but it tells rather than paints, I guess, or, yeah. or, or it's not, it's not subtle. It, no, no, well, that, that's, that's a weakness with a lot of these songs. There's not a lot of like subtlety to them or depth, um, yeah, that you can't really apply them to multiple situations. They're very kind of film specific. It and actually it reminds me not dragging him, but it's a criticism of Randy Newman as a as a song composer. He's a great like <laughs> like technical, but 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 like the bugs the bugs I've signed says like what a bug, blah, 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 blah. There's, no, there's like nothing else to it. Um, and that bit in Family Guy with the red headed lady reaching for an apple. Um, what, what, what do you think of the, I mean, as great, as great as Tina Turner is, she, even she doesn't really, she, she, her, her vocal performance, well, basically that she can't save the song. I don't think, um, but what do you think, Kel? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, I think it's the same with the, all, with most of the songs actually, that they're nice, but they don't have the impact that some other songs in other Disney films have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did, well, here's a, this, this is a sticking point for some people, and a reason why a lot of people don't like Tarzan. Do you think any of the songs would be better if the actual characters were singing them, or do you think it's okay if it's like disembodied voices? Yeah, that's a good question. Because that was the I mean, rationale behind, behind Tarzan, because the makers of Tarzan thought it would be ridiculous for Tarzan to be swinging, to be singing as he's swinging from the trees, or for apes to sing. And that's true. And there's been the marked um, kind of departure from the musical formula of Disney films by this point. Um, I don't think any of the characters sing any of these songs, apart from Coda right at the beginning of one of the songs. But yeah. Everybody, I'm on my Would it have been better if they they had sung, or do you think it, it would have been about the same or even worse? I think it would have been a bit better, actually. Like, I can imagine the scene with all the bears and the salmon fishing. Mm. That might have been nice to have. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a kind of funny bit mixed with a bit of heart, which could have had. Mm. Could, yeah. Something it, fun and upbeat. It reminded me a bit, I mean, we're, we're fast-forwarding a little yeah. bit. I, I think it would have been good kind of like the, the, the troll song in Frozen. Mm. He's a bit of a fixer-upper. And it's, kind of, it's a very kind of flashbang moment, but it's good to kind of establish the characters of the people who are there. Mm. And you don't really get much of the, the other bears apart from that's the old one mm. and that's the leader one. And they're the young lovers one. It'd be good to kind of have some characters singing. Mm. So yeah, maybe not in this song particularly, but uh, yeah, <laughs> some of them at least. Yeah. Um, I will say one little other thing that reminded me of Lion King. So when we go to, I don't quite know how it. It's sort of a like an open air cave or something like that where the the native people are. I don't know if they're Inuits or if they're, it's set during the Ice Age. So I don't know if. If it's like basically proto Inuits or natives, or whatever, they're having a ceremony there, and it's we learn it's Kenai's um, totem ceremony, which I, I, I don't know a whole how accurate this is to native culture. But I, there was a book I read ages ago called Clan of the Cave Bear about um, it's a novel about um, 
human raised among Neanderthals, and they had like a totem ceremony there, and it reminded me of that. Um, I think it's something done in some cultures, but basically this big ceremony and the sort of wise woman marching through it with the torch reminded me a lot of Rafiki, like walking past like the buffalo and like the other hoofed animals in the circle of life. Yeah. I think the, the the way that the shaman is set up and the kind of the totem ceremony within just a few lines, but hurry up guys, we need to get back for the totem ceremony. You, you, you get what's important you get some of the themes running through pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll also introduce the three brothers. Um, Sit- Sitka, the eldest, um, Denahi, the middle one, and um, Kenai, the, the the young protagonist. The, pa- the pandy, well, no, I'm not going to say the pandy of the group, because that's being insulted to pandy. How dare uh, you? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the young, reckless, irresponsible one. Um, How dare you? <laughs> to- yeah, to- totally unlike Pandy. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know for real. So I haven't met Claire, and I've not even met Ian. Uh, no, you're quite right. <laughs> um, you see, like um, they could they could have developed this. He he's like riding a mammoth, tries to milk a reindeer, and he's like sort of. It'll be. In, he seems to have like a stronger respect for the animals and the others, but yet he regards, like, bears as, like, stupid beasts, which is a little weird. He's, he's certainly kind of naive to a lot of the subtleties of life, and he's... He reminds me a little bit of Goku, in terms of just being a bit of a klutz who's looking for fun, but he's not got Goku's heart. Uh, but, you know, one of the very first things, his very first lines, apart from run, is don't try and milk a reindeer. Mm. I'm not sure what Sven and Christoph would say about that. <laughs> mm. Christian's not seen Frozen yet. Oh. I've seen I've seen both Frozens. Have you? I thought you were keeping. I thought. Well, you were I, 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 I want to revisit them with fresh eyes. Like see, like view them. Because like, I'm prejudiced against them from my viewings. Yeah. I want to give them a fair shake. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, we'll we'll, 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 we'll get to them in, in several months. I'll be doing that with Emma and somebody else. Um, hopefully, I'll have a new, a more nuanced view once I've reread the fairy tale and examined it properly. But um, anyway, um, any thoughts about the brothers or the brotherly dynamic, um, Kel? I think it's a nice, um, nice scene. Really, it shows their their characters and their relationship with each other, and you get you get an idea of each of them individually as well as um, with each other as well. And it's nice to see them all spending time with each other and catching the fish, having some brotherly moments. Um, and obviously that sets it up for the, for the next part of the film. Um, like Sitka has to be like the peacemaker between them because he's the eldest. Um, I do, Samantha, I do appreciate, and it, it's always handy for story purposes. I like that they're eat, kind of like the fair, the, fairies in, in Sleeping Beauty that Pandy hates or like the, the three triplets and the doll duck one, they have like different colours so like the Sitka is of a reddish brown um, Denali is of like a greenish blue and um, Kina is sort of like a gold, uh, golden brown which is the same colour that he is as a bear mm, yeah so, um, but anyway it's Kenai's totem oh we sh- we're going to use this joke Pandy P- Pandy who voices Kenai Whacking bottom. I saved the sound effect. <laughs> there he is. Famous Alaskan actor. 
Yeah. Po- po- after didn't he win an Oscar for Gladiator? Because uh... he was a known quantity at this point. This isn't like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Treasure Planet, where he was sort of before he like, became big. He's got quite the beard in 2018, hasn't he? <laughs> Just clicked on his Wikipedia. <laughs> he had a hobo stage. Now, the first time I remember watching him was watching Gladiator, and oh, he's he's such a good actor. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I've, I've liked him. Most of the other stuff I've seen him in, like you know what the film is. I've I've not seen Joker, but I don't doubt that he put his all into it. He yes, but you're right. By this point, he had won his best supporting actor. Oh no, no, sorry, he got an, a nomination as best supporting uh, actor. Uh, he wouldn't win until Joker three years ago. Um, but yeah, he he does well in this film. Um, and yes, whitewashing, but I think he you kind of get this this fun loving klutzy goofball guy, and you, he kind of remains that way all the way through the film, um, despite going through quite a lot of pain and anguish and having a bit of a growth growth journey journey of growth. Mm. Um, he, he, yeah, I I appreciate Whacking Phoenix. Sorry, Whacking Bottom. <laughs> uh, his wacky name. Tell me again why he changed his name. Is it literally because it's bottom? because it's Whacking Bottom? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure River Bottom did it also. <laughs> I don't know. Um, possibly a family thing. I don't know. But mm. He um yeah. It's an early standpoint. I'll say that Whacking Bottom. Yes, I will get you to put the ding in multiple times in this episode. Um, he 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 starts off well and continues well. Hmm. Okay, so um, they have the ceremony where it's Keena. I think is eighteen or something, but he's basically given his totem animal. We know we know that um, Sitka's is a bald eagle. We don't know what Denahi's is, um, but basically, like the shaman lady says, Tanana says, "Oh, like." The totem like represents your value. Like some have strength, some have care, some have like beauty and whatever. And turns out his man is the love bear, but he's not that happy with it, and he's teased mercilessly by Denahi for it. With some feels kind of coded as like gay jokes or sort of like like jokes questioning his manhood. Yeah, skipping around, throwing flowers over him. Yeah. Early 2000s attitudes towards homosexuality and male intimacy and love. Um, In the sequel, he has like a a female love interest, but we have no proof one way or another. He, in this film, he could be asexual. So for all intents and purposes, but um, he's not happy with this. Um, Oh, and he, early on, he was, as the ceremony is getting ready, he was supposed to tie up this basket of salmon properly to a tree. But even if, here's a question, even if they had tied it properly, wouldn't, I mean, bears can climb pretty well. Wouldn't they find a way to get to it anyway? Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, and if it's like made of wicker, couldn't they just rip it to pieces? It's meant to show animosity between two of the brothers and kind of how one of them is overly critical and one of them is a bit of a kind of devil may care klutz. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right that in, in terms of a plot point, it doesn't really hold too much water. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, when they come back, the a bear is made off with the salmon. And is it just Keenai that runs after it, or do all three of them d- decide to go after it? 
Um, Keen Eye goes first to go and get the baskets, and then I forget why the other two follow, but they do eventually. Mm. Yeah. I think because he's, he's in danger, basically, because he, he's going to ride with this fairly big, beady-eyed, super realistic-looking bear, which, we'll get, mm. which I do appreciate the contrast with what we get later. There's actually a shift in the art style later in the film, which I appreciate. Somehow they end up like on this glacier on top of this mountain where the bear like, corners Keen Eye and did not... Denahi, who like ends up in like the sort of ice crack. Uh, yes, Denahi falls down, and mm. uh, Kenai is desperately trying to pull him up, whilst uh, Sitka is kind of on the edge, watching all this about to unravel, and ultimately decides the best way to try and save his two brothers is to break off a big chunk using a wedging a spear, uh, which mm. plunges both him and the bear off this big uh, glacier into the. the the river below. It's very dramatic. Mm. But oh, okay, okay. I I take issue with this. This okay. So he he tries to like he has a spear. I remember he. I think the bear like knocks him down or something. But if he unless he was like mortally wounded and bleeding or about to die, I don't. I think this is an unnecessary sacrifice on his part. I think you're right. He might in that moment decide to throw the spear. I mean. By this point, you know enough about the characters of the brothers to kind of know that them and their relationships. But maybe he, as the older brother, is not a good spear thrower, or I don't know. But you're right, there, there are possibly other things that could have been done apart yeah. from, well, guess I'll die now. And actually, there's no guarantee that him wedging the spear into the ice is definitely going to like break yeah, off the ice in front of the bear. I know, it, it's... You think the ice would be too thick for it to crack, and or that he, he, it seems like he's like making a he's making an unnecessary sacrifice or suicide. Like if he, if he, I think this also gets the G rating. I feel like if, if this film came out ten years earlier, like around Beauty and the Beast, where there is some conspicuous blood in places, like if he was like was bleeding like a fair amount from it, or was like limping or whatever, like seemed to be on seemed to be like dying anyway and then did that it would make sense yeah. but it I, th- th- this sacrifice doesn't work for me at all uh, unfortunately what what it do you think Joe? because plot yes it could have been done better but hey ho he he dies um Kel, what what do you think are we being t- too harsh um yeah I, th- I guess once you sort of dig into it it is a bit of a a waste really mm-hmm the bear doesn't die. The bear just sort of falls in. We no. also never find they never find Sitka's body, or we never see them find Sitka's body. And no. when they but later on, when they have a funeral, you don't know if that's actually his body or. Well, you can only fact, imagine mm. it's. Uh, but obviously, it is him. He is or, dead. Or but... a symbol of him. Mm. Actually, when that happened in the film, um, and this, this is actually the first time the Wilsons watched uh, a, a Disney film or any film all the way through without kind of having to stop to go to the loo or anything. <laughs> oh. And uh, Lincoln, who's four, nearly five, when there were the two brothers were in the river going, where, Sidka, Sidka, and they'd found part of his clothes and whatever. Link turned around to go, I know he's alive. And, uh, yeah, Kel had to go, I know he's died. <laughs> he's dead. That's a funeral procession. In fairness, he did fall a fair amount, so even if a, a tough bear could survive, you can imagine somebody fall... Just that being high enough for anybody to die. So, um, mm. but there, and there is some ambiguity. But it's but 
the implication is that he's dead. Um, <sighs> okay, so I think the, the guy who directed this, Aaron Blade, I think this is his first film, and there's like a few mistakes here and there. The, the way the funeral is shown, like it's very choppy. It's like shown like the screen that like, kept going black to black, like being like shot by shot, um, in time of the music. But, um, there's like a gripe I have. There's like a sort of like mournful, like, in it, I have to pull it up again. Um, what the language? Um, in Nick to to it, like, so there's a, sort of a mournful, like, song being sung in the background, but it's by Phil Collins, not like, like, very clearly Phil Collins. So, what, rather than a native speaker or singer, and that really annoyed me. Well, you know, in a moment of gravitas uh, between a tribe, you need Phil Collins there to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't finish that sentence. Yeah, it, it, it's it, a stylistic it, choice. It, it, it reeked of ego trip to me. Yep. Um, I mean, like in the Lion King, you had Lebowem, who's a native Zulu speaker, like singing the song, so that that was appropriate. Whereas Phil, Phil Collins it, mm. ain't. Not quite the um, no. the culturally the sensitive yeah, yeah, the it, feeling exactly. that you're going for really. Um, this funeral. I do I do like what his brother says to him. I guess the, the funeral wraps up as like Kenai is going off to hunt the bear. Denai says, "I don't blame the bear, Kenai." Yeah, mm-hmm. that sort of spurs Kenai on, I think, as well. Mm. <laughs> but Kenai is pissed off. He actually throws off the bear totem. Um, but but. He, but is it Danahi or Tahanu who says, or Tanana that says you'll upset the spirits? Uh, I think it was Danahi says don't offend the spirits. Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, um, and the, the, there's a big thing made about the spirits in the opening song. Um, so, but um, Kine goes off to commit his revenge. Um, he, I will say the, the music here is, is pretty good. It's It looks, it's Compared to like later in the film, the color palette is very restrained. It's like fairly dark. Um, but he goes into some berry bushes like at, at the foot of a mountain, and he thinks he sees a bear. But there's a bit of a fake out with like, was it a gopher, or, like a prairie dog, or something like that? Uh, something teeny tiny, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the bear is like right behind him, and he has a near escape. Um, but I think the bear, the bear can smell. I think I heard somewhere bears like smell as good if not better than dogs so i think she flees um but uh but as but now he is tailing kenai and eventually he tracks the bear up to the top of this mountain and he does we don't see but it on screen I, sorry may i cut in at this point oh sure just, just on the point of Dinahi chasing after kenai kenai leaves about 20 seconds later kenai follows him Denahi. Sorry, yeah, sorry. About 20 seconds later, Denahi follows him, having kind of been said uh, that the shaman kind of says, you must help him, or they went too long, or Sitka, please guide them, or something like that. How has Denahi lost him? Like, he saw him leave. He would have been, like, on his tail. And now he's, like, quite far away. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad hunter. I guess Kenai's got that rage inside him, so he's going to be gunning for it. I guess so, but he kind of leaves in more of a grump than a kind of kind of rage. Uh, It's just a mild point for me, but it's another kind of little uh, kind of quirk of storytelling. 
Okay, so I have another bit. This isn't really a personal gripe about this film, but so this film is set during the Ice Age. We know that because it's set because of the woolly mammoths, Mm because it's coat for Ice Age. But they could have, there were other like now extinct animals living in North America at the time. They could, they don't use at all. They could have, like, what if, so this would be, what if Keen, what if Denahi was delayed like by like, a saber toothed cat or something like that? Mm. Like what? Or like if I, I wish there were more extinct now extinct animals featured in the film than just mammoths. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, Look, I, I know it's a very personal dodo. drive. I know pe- pe- people don't give a lot of people mm-hmm. don't think about that, like that. But I think that's a big missed opportunity because. There even like extinct bear species living in Alaska at the time. There was one called the short-faced bear, which was 11 feet tall when standing on its hind legs. Christ. That's not quite a big bear. Yeah. That's almost as big as you. <laughs> no, that's a lot, a lot bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and also stuff like lo- like longhorned bison and like ground sloths and even camels. And, camels? Yeah, Alaskan camels? Yeah, ca- long, long story short, but camels actually originated in North America and spread to Get Asia and South America. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, but now- this film should have been called Brother Camel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Googling it now. American Camel. Wow, look at that hair. Look at that guy. Camelops. Camelops. We're nice to the round table. Camelops. North and Central America. Yeah. yeah. Um, How the hell do they find their way to the Gobi Desert? Look at them. Well, the, there was a land bridge in, in several times in the Bering Strait. That's how humans eventually made it to the Americas from Asia. Well, yeah, I, I know in terms of like movement around the world, but if they're there in cold North America, oh, I fancy somewhere warm. You look, you had lots of hair. Like I a woolly mammoth. Uh, I, so one of them had a haircut and went, I'm off on holiday. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Look, there's, a, there's a skeleton of a camelops. With, well, yeah. sorry, Christian, we're, we're, we're amazed. Yeah. <laughs> Best thing you, we've you, learned you, all day. Yeah, you can imagine how disappointed I was. Well, because I am a nerd about dinosaurs and other extinct animals. So you can, as cool as the mammoths are, you need, you need, they're not the only extinct like, animals at the time. That's amazing. Wow, He's my new I mean, friend. Europe had some different ones like like woolly rhinos and like the Irish yeah. elk and cave bears, but North America <laughs> had cool stuff also. Anyway, so um, my my head canon is that that uh, Dinahi was held up because he saw a, a camelops yeah. and had a kind of quick conversation with him, and that's why he's behind Kenai. That's mm-hmm. my head canon. Yeah. He and got then too the quick. second film is where Dinahi is turned into a camel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. There's a lot more spitting humor in it. <laughs> oh, the moose could have been camels. The, oh, well, the, well, I get into some Canadian jokes, but we'll get to the moose, the moose's <laughs> meat later. Um, <gasps> anyway, um, there's a lot of tangents tonight. Sorry, um, sorry, please. No, no, me. no, it's, it's my fault. Also, this, um, this is quite a plot light film, so we're trying to just beef up the runtime. <laughs> Like like a bear before hibernation. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so Kenai eventually is, confronts the bear at the top of a mountain. He and we don't see it on screen, but the bear is like turned to him. He has a spear pointed. It is effective, like hearing the the bear like sort of have a death roar as it's implied to be stabbed. But 
I wouldn't. I'm not saying the film necessarily needs violence, but compare it to remember the scene with Gaston where, like, when he's like at the very like right before his death, he like, crawls up and is able to stab the beast in the back, and there's like a stabbing noise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's the, the, very hard hitting. I feel like this because it's a G-rated film. They shied away from that or didn't think to include that. And I, so, um, is there any blood in this film? I don't think there is. I don't think so. Not that I remember seeing. No. So I wonder yeah. if like standards of of ratings and violence are changing at the time. Because mm, they don't show that bit either, do they? They just sort of cut away and just show the mountain, yeah. the glacier, or whatever mm, it is. There is some powerful homoeroticism later on, but there's no blood. <laughs> I'm interested to hear that. <laughs> um, anyway, so the uh, Kenai has killed the bear, and um, the, I think we see the bear's body at some point. But basically, these blue spirits descend from the heavens because they're on this high mountain top, um, and it turns into this. There's this, this golden aurora. Well, I will say this is very visually impressive. This golden aurora breaks across the sky where these silhouettes of stampeding Alaskan fauna, like mammoths and salmon and geese and wolves and stuff. No camels, unfortunately. Saber-toothed cats. How do you have an Ice Age film without saber-toothed cats? Exactly. <laughs> or saber-toothed cats. I mean, Alaska? They're, well, the saber-toothed tiger is is based on Smilodon. It wasn't really a tiger, but that's the famous one. It lived, I think it lived further south, but there was something called the scimitar cat, which still had fairly big canines compared to other cats. Nice. Um, and there's also, oh, there was also something called an American lion, which is bigger than the modern lion and had no mane. Nice. And, oh, yes, I remember and that, yeah. And the European, um, there's actually a series on Netflix. I, I know you don't have Netflix, but there was a series that came out recently called Life on Our Planet that she had some Ice Age scenes with um, cave lions. Mm. Anyway, nice. okay. Anyway, what? Keep away from that rabbit hole. Anyway, um, Kenai sees all this. The eventually, this giant baldy, like spirit bald eagle, appears before Kenai. And spoilers: it's Sitka, who looks super disappointed. <laughs> he gives a disapproving look. Yeah, his basically his forced ghost. Um, the, the bear, the dead bear, disappears. The eagle Sitka grabs Kenai with his talons, and he transforms. Kenai into a bear. Dun, dun, dun. No. His brother has become a bear. Oh, brother. Or oh, bother. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> he then finds a jar of honey. Yeah. All while this is going on, it's kind of interspersed with Dinahi climbing the mountain desperately because he's he knows there's a fight coming along. Yeah. He's expecting to see something dramatic at the top. Yeah, he, he misses all of this, like, you know, for plot's sake. Yeah. So, um, and he, I know, does he, he sees the bear, um, I think, I know like later Kenai tries to speak to his brother as the bear, but it comes out as bear, but Kenai basically falls down a cliff into a river and could have died, but doesn't really. Um, and do not, it's he, a big fall. Yeah. Um, a bigger fall than the bear he killed survived. And he's a, so, um, but now he finds parts of, he finds parts of Kenai's clothes, um, and it, it seems he, he wordlessly vows vengeance on the bear for taking both of his brothers. 
or, or just bears in general, because surely he would notice the difference between the bear, the big bear, and the one that Kenai turned into. So he's like half the size, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's like different like colors. The, and his proportions are more cub-like than the really big adult bears. Exactly. Yeah, she's very, very grown-up bear-like, isn't she? Yeah. Um, anyway, the screen goes black, and I don't know if you noticed this, Kel, but there's actually a change in aspect ratio. Oh. Um, like, for, oh, yeah. it, like it, uh, um, I don't know what kind of screen you have, but it, the screen becomes wider, and the color palette becomes a lot brighter as Kenai wakes up as a bear. Mm. Uh, and it's also in this context that bears look more anthropomorphic, whereas the, the bear we saw at the beginning had like very beady, non-human eyes. Yes. And that, that um, bear reminded me of the bear in Brave as well. Um, like the Mordu bear, like the yes. scary one? Yeah. Whereas, obviously, like you say, these Kenai now is looking very cutesy bear-like rather than realistic bear-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he's the same. Uh, is, it, is there anything I missed about... Did, did you have any thoughts on the transformation or him killing the bear or anything like that? No, I think it was quite powerful, really. It's it's a sort of a fast-moving scene. And then when you see the bear disappearing, it's very sad. You're like, oh, no, the bear died. And off you go. I mean, it kind of highlights the tragedy of the situation um, in a kind of magical way. And <laughs> it kind of it charts the beginning of Dinahi being awful with spears because one breaks <laughs> off as he climbs. And then, thankfully... Uh, Kenai's left his at the top so he kind of picks it up ceremonially and going yes I will avenge my brother it's all quite wordless um, but there is a kind of flashback of the words he said earlier of uh, I don't blame the bear Kenai like oh no it was me so now I'll pick up my brother's spear and grab his totem and oh yes Gaspar doesn't he tie the totem like to the spear end yeah he does yeah you'd think he'd take better care of it but ho-hum Anyway, he goes, and um, Kikine wakes up, Tanana, the wise woman, is there, and she actually knows about the uh, transformation, because she's in touch with the spirits, and she knows that Sitka did it, but she doesn't speak bear. Um, How the hell did she know that he'd be there? How the hell did this bear just wash down the shore? Because spirits, that's why. But then she's, surely... She's the village shaman. Yeah, but why didn't she then go to Dehart Denahi and go, oh, by the way, don't try and kill that bear because that's actually your brother. Because it needed to happen naturally. Because if it didn't happen naturally, then Kenai wouldn't have learned yeah, but his it's a, lesson. it's a dick move. Yeah, but she understands yeah. the spirits. Yeah, but she's, she's a, wise. She's a dick. Or, or maybe if... I mean, she seems like pretty... Agile for an old woman, but maybe if she was too slow, like to catch up with Denahi or whatever, then maybe. But she seems fairly healthy for an elderly woman. She is able to magically disappear as soon as she's finished talking to the poor boy. I reckon she was yeah. hiding behind a bush. Going, tee hee hee, I fucked with these brothers. Yeah. I yeah. forced one of them to die, another one to turn into a bear. Tee hee hee, yeah. what's next? Yeah. I'm mysterious. He really doesn't like her. I don't. I think she's hilarious. I have a big... I was going to save it. I'll save it to the end. But I have a big problem with the, the amount that her and the spirits have to pay in the death of a boy. <laughs> yeah. And a bear. See, so, yeah, 
I mean, I mean, I don't want to linger on this, but I was also put off the fact that she's not na- she's not voiced by a native Alaskan or Inuit actress either. No, do you know that as well. I mean, I mean, it's a minor thing, but do you know who voices her? I did look it up. Um, I've got the Wikipedia here. It was Joan Copeland, mm-hmm. uh, who I think I've seen before, but I couldn't place her. Put it that way. I don't know if I've seen her or anything else, but apparently she is the younger sister of Arthur Miller, the playwright. Oh, okay. And was Marilyn Monroe's sister-in-law. Well, there we go. So, but she died last year. Oh, she she died last year. Last year, age ninety-nine. Oh, oh wow. Um, but anyway, um, she she can't speak bear, but she knows what's going, and she even does she like smack him or something like that. He says, and basically says. You have to sort the shit out. I'm not going to help you because I'm irresponsible. I like fucking yeah. with. <laughs> anyway, um, that's basically what she says. Yeah, yeah. But um, Kenai or K Bear, as I have him in in the notes, he can understand the speech of other animals, all the Lion King, um, ra- rather than Tarzan or Bambi. Um, and here's like the, these geese, like one, one of them saying, are you there yet? And this is, don't make me turn this flock around, <laughs> which, which is kind of funny, I will say. Um, but then he meets the moose duo voiced by Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis. Basically. Right. Yeah. Kel didn't uh, realize that it was um, Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, see, see, I, don't th- I don't know if you could tell from Shop of Horrors whether I don't think there's any Canadian inflections in Rick Morris's performance there. Well, no, but he's... Or is it, or is it, this one, they're definitely playing up the fact that they're Canadian, because they're basically reprising their role of Bob and Doug McKenzie, who are these two dim-witted, beer-loving Canadian brothers that they played in the 80s and 70s. Yeah. Like, Doing a film. proper, lovely Canadian... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um... Actually, there's a sly reference to beer later, which I'll, which I'll bring up. But they're so these yeah. bu- they're sort of. Rep- I only know them from. They did a film called Strange Brew that I saw a while ago. Um, do you know who Dave Thomas is? Uh, yeah, I've seen him in. I think I first knew him in uh, the film Rat Race. Yes, where he was the kind of uh, underling of um, John, John Cleese's Cleese. character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, He's also Rex Banner in The Simpsons. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and he uh, what, he was in, you know, that season of that storyline, Arrested Development, with Charlie Theron, and he was like, he was like her minder or uncle or whatever. Uh, yeah. maybe I don't quite remember it. Yeah, he was in that also. He's he's been around, but um. Him McMoranis are a comedy duo ages ago, and they're sort of yeah. reprising it. Um, but what do you think of the the mooses? I like them. I found them very funny. I'd like the kind of fourth wall breaking sort of kind of. Um, they're, they're the comic relief, mm-hmm. even more so than the, the Kenai and Cobra Coda. Uh, yeah, I okay. think they're funny. What about you? Yeah, I think they're hilarious. <laughs> I really like how they use all the different characters like that. Like later on when you've got the rams, the little chipmunk thingies. Um, they've all got their own little personalities and they're very funny, especially when they get stuck on the move, on the back of the um, mammoth. Mm. I wish we wish we had seen the scene of them totaling the mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best opportunity. <laughs> um, 
They're they're okay. They didn't. They're not like laugh out loud funny, but they're not like super obnoxious either. So, and I, they're I, inoffensive comedy duo. Yeah, hopefully not too racist against Canadians. Well, they are Canadian. Well, Rick Moranis is Canadian, isn't he? Yeah, and so so is Dave Thomas. But yeah, uh, um, it's not racist if they're Canadian as well. Hopefully Maybe. not. Um, <laughs> is it doing Canadian face? Imagine that the mooses are the flapping South Park heads. <laughs> Listening to Rush. Um, anyway, Kenai, because he, he's a bear and doesn't know how to bear properly yet, he's caught in a trap. You know, like a, like an obvious, um, I don't know the kind of, basically his ankle's caught in this a rope like tying from the tree and he's hanging there like a pinata and a bear cub comes over and whacks him with a stick. Um, <laughs> This this lispy bear cub called Scrappy Doo. I mean Coda. <laughs> oh, wait to show your colours there. Yeah, out uh, of Coda then. To be honest, I'm not crazy about either of the main bears in this. I don't think yeah. I. I think by showing my hand a bit, I don't think Coda. Excuse me, Kenai at the end is properly reformed, or maybe I'm, I'm comparing it unfairly to Cusco and the Emperor's New Groove and the the standards set by that. But I don't feel he's he's changed as much and Coda seems unbearably smug at places when he doesn't have like the vulnerability that makes you like Cub Simba or like the innocence there. He just seems, I know kids can be annoying. Like you would know better than I, like, kids can be annoying and just not mean it or, or people at different ages can be annoying, but he seemed more annoying than need be. Yeah. He's quite confident, isn't he? He's a confident cub. Cocky, one might even say. Yeah, he doesn't seem sad that he's been separated from his mum at any point, really. Yeah, you don't see like can he, he doesn't even seem to be like a mask for insecurity. He just seems to take it at face value. Yeah, he just oh, well, we've been separated. Let's and crack he's on, like, gets the salmon run. And how, how old, well, I don't know how old bears mature, but it seems like he was older than a cub should be. Yes. Like more, I mean, you would know more about being a bear than than Kenai, obviously, because he's a real bear, but. Even if he was like a slightly older one, I think it, it was like a, maybe a, a teenage or preteen age bear. Then I think I could go with him. But he seems like this unusually smug, cocky six-year-old. Well, I think I think you're being a bit unkind, you two, about this poor abandoned orphan bear. And yeah, it, it, there is a bit of a disconnect between I've lost my mum and the kind of. Um, you know, extra behavior of a, a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, maybe it's just playing into his character. That's his kind of coping mechanism. I didn't mind Poss- that at all. But, but possibly. I hated old woman lady. I hate an old woman lady. Yeah. yeah, she's an old woman. She should know better. <laughs> Coda's a tiny bear thing and he's cute and he's playing all sorts of silly jokes. But he got stuff. separated from his mom. Exactly. So I don't mind. I'm giving him. I don't, I don't mind him either. Oh, he's very confident. Well, talk to me and old Christian because he hates him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate. I don't hate him. I just, it just I didn't warm to him. You didn't no, warm I... to the orphan bear. Not really. Not as <laughs> not as as the orphan lion. But I'm biased because I saw that multiple times. When I was very young. Whereas this one, there's no nostalgic attachment. Fair enough. So uh, <laughs> anyway, um, he's lot. 
he's he's separated from his mother, but he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem that worried, or maybe he's gotten over the shock. But I, I wish we, other than him trying to curl up with like Coda the bear, if there isn't like I don't know, I think they, they could have done a little more. Um, but anyway, he he's not very vulnerable. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Until the kind of big speech later on, he's he's a little bit too cocksure for you to feel too sorry for him. Yes, yeah, um, um, which might be a bit of a, a failing of the film's part. Yes, um, but anyway, he does help. Well, because Coda completely fails to get out of this trap, so uh, no, excuse me, Kenai fails to get out of this trap, so Coda helps him, and they like, settle in this ice cave, and they basically. He offers to take him to the Salmon Run because the Salmon Run turns out to be next door to the Magic Mountains that Kenai needs to go to to get back his humanity, literally. It's rather, rather convenient. Yep. Um, that's not the same mountain where he was transformed, though, was it? No. I wasn't sure. I, I felt that it probably was because that's where it happened before. But it seems to take a long time to get there. But it's it was very, carried. He was carried downstream. Mm. And that, we don't quite true. know how far. Mm. Yeah, I'd have to, we'd have to compare him like shot by shot. So it, it is possible he was like woke up, woke up maybe like a few days or like several hours later. So he's like fair, fair amount away. Um, we do know that the brothers at the beginning of the film were looking for salmon. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that they were near to the salmon run. I mean, there's probably more salmon spots in, in Alaska. I've never been. But Alaska, by the way, which is huge. It's the, the biggest state by area. It's like the, <laughs> like from You're telling me there's more than one place in Alaska where salmon are? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know where in Alaska they are, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... I've just realised, yes, I've, I was calling them Canadian, it's fine because they're Canadian, but this is Alaska. So yes, well, now I should be cancelled. I'm sure they're, Cana- they're Canadians in Alaska and vice versa. And there were no borders back then, so whatever. Anyway. True thing. So, um, anyway, they wake up the next day and Co- Kenai is already lo- kind of losing his shit with Coda. Um, and this is where the On My Way song appears. Um, yeah, we like that song. The, right. On my way. Yeah, I like that song. That's that's my favourite one, I think, from the from the film. Okay. See, see the bit because I've only seen this a few times. When if you mention a song that says "On my way," I can't help thinking of is it the Proclaimer song from Shrek? I'm on my <laughs> way from misery to happiness today. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. No, it starts off with lovely Coda singing a song. Yeah. But it's, at this point, Kenai wouldn't walk 500 miles or walk 500 more for Coda. No, he's a surly bear. <laughs> so sorry, I'm sorry, bad p- proclaimer's joke. <laughs> is it 500 or 500? Yeah, it's 500. It is 500, yeah, oh yeah. We have to hear that song every time there's a wedding. Mm-hmm. You have, do you have like a lot of Scottish in-laws? No, it's, it's just one of those songs that gets played a lot at English weddings. Really? Yeah, because it's one oh. that people like to march along to when they're drunk. Huh. It's kind of like um, Come On Eileen. That always, and everyone gets in a circle and kicks in a kind of can-can way. <laughs> oh. And Say La Vie by Bewitch. There's a whole canon of like wedding songs. Yeah. Huh. I've, not been, 
not been to enough weddings to know, but let alone the U.S. Um, because it was an Irish, like in Dairy Girls, they, they, they do rock the boat, and apparently it's a big thing at weddings there. As in the Hughes Corporation. Um, so well, I'd like to know where you got the notion. Rock, rock the boat. Like I, I, I rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Yeah, I think it's that one. Um, yeah. I've anyway, heard that away. Anyway, it's also established that Danahi, at this point, Danahi is following them. Because I think they, the Mooses, like, it's the Mooses that inform them, right? Yes, because yeah, they, they spot him, don't they? Yeah, While they're, they're eating their juicy grass. <laughs> and they run off. Um, yeah. And they find Kenai and Coda and warn them. Yeah, and they, they point out their tracks. And it's their, I will say, they, they do get this... This is where they get the idea to ride the mammoths. Yeah. Um, and all these other animals join them. The mammoths are apparently very friendly. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe because they're so huge and, and Koda such a, Kenai is such a small bear, they would threaten them. But the rabbit gag was kind of funny. Uh, remind me what that one was. So all these like other animals are kitchen riding this mammoths. And one, there's like these, I think one rabbit or two adult rabbits. And then there's like, 37 like baby rabbits. Oh, that, yes. You know, because yes. um, <laughs> rabbits fuck like rabbits. Yeah. Um, and they don't speak, but I do like a few times they like, roll their eyes as Coda is like going on and on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the cue montage. Get... This is where they learn to like each other. Um, they snuggle up on the tusks of a mammoth, yeah. don't they, to have a sleep, Kenai and Coda. Yeah. Um, there's the eye, although in the eye spy thing, I didn't find that funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tree, tree, tree. tree. It, vertical I mean, log, it, tree. It was just the kind of humor that's just a bit of, oh, these characters are dumb, let's show it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're hanging over the side of a mammoth, it's just a great scene. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the two, Kenai and Koda, the, bro- the bear brothers, wake up and um, basically they're lost and Kenai's not taking it well, and they have this little falling out, and they get off the mammoths um, until they come across some cave paintings, one of which includes a man hunting a bear, and this is one of the stronger scenes where basically it's a separate that Coda views humans as monsters. Yeah. Whereas Kenai's in the opposite position. He's still not coming to terms with being a bear, and he still sees them as, as dumb animals, I guess. Yeah, it's a very powerful moment, I think, because when Coda says, "They're scary," sort of, they? yeah, they're scary. The one with a stick or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Kenai sort of looks quite shocked, like, "Oh, I thought you were talking about the bear." Yeah, they're scary bears. <laughs> yeah. um, and then um, it's here they pass the budding rams, which is kind of amusing. Although I thought the funniest part of that was the the like the female the you they're talking for like, again doing like an eye roll she's not attracted to either of them <laughs> those rams are some of my favorites in the film i think that was the bit that lincoln laughed the loudest at was the, <laughs> the fact they were shouting at their own echoes shut up shut up it appealed to a four-year-old can you wait there yeah. bear no you shut maybe, up <laughs> maybe i'm being too harsh in the film again this is rated g but it feels like this is oriented at a younger audience than like G-rated Disney films in the 90s. 
we we watched it with two children and they both got in. there was one bit where link got a little bit bored but generally it held their interest and they laughed along so you know it's which i'm surprised at really yeah there's other films that i think they would be more held by but they weren't yeah but this mm. one apparently so okay um but anyway i think it's at this point coda does remember where they are he he remembers where they are, and it turns out they have to go past the vast lava slash geyser field, a la Yellowstone, or the elephant graveyard. Yes, yeah, yeah there is an element of that. Um, but no hyenas or saber toothed cats, or there is there is like a rock formation that looks a bit like a face. They could have made more of that, but yeah, the kids noticed that, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the. Again, trying to capture that Lion King lightning in a bottle again. Um, <laughs> but Danahi is pursuing him. I do like that they show he has fa- he's starting to grow facial hair. Like, yes. he goes, like the fashion this time. Evie said, like, trying... like, oh, said, oh, he's got hair. <laughs> he's got a beard or something like that. Yes, whiskers. He's got, <laughs> yeah, the very beginnings of an adolescent moustache and kind of a soul patch on the go. To show time is marching on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he pursues him for a bit. Um, and uh, I think Kenai at one point rescues him because there's a scene where Kenai, like, I think it's a, there's a fake out where um, Koda, like, thinks he's being pursued by by the hunter, like, from the smoke or whatever, but it turns out it's Kenai and they go over the log bridge. But how does it end up toppling down? Like, they're over the cross it, but Denali isn't. Uh,. I forget. I think he he gets across and then it falls, mm-hmm. and then Dinar he kind of does a big flying leap and in doing so dislodges the log into the river below. And Kina tries to hold up the log to rescue him, but yeah, and it's made um, less stable by the fact that Dinar he is trying to get Kina off the log when he's trying to climb across. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Um... I have in my note here, um, Kenai is still prejudiced against bears after being, even after being turned into the one. Am I misremembering that, or is... So what was that note again? I have a note here about Kenai still not liking bears after being turned into one. Am I misremembering that, or is that an earlier scene? Uh, I think there might be another one potentially. Oh, that, that, that'll be the, uh, the sauna scene coming up, oh. where he screams at the bears. At oh, this yeah. point, yeah. He, he kind of shows his care for Coda because he throws him to safety before himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, it's here the gulls show up, right? Because that leads to the salmon run. Uh, yes. Yeah. And there they are. Yeah. And, yeah, in, into the water they go. Yeah. And, oh, dear God, there are lots of bears. <laughs> and Kenai screams. Yeah, because it, it, it's, it's here... It, that you remind that Kenai is a very young bear, whereas these are like co- like super big grizzly or Kodiak bears. These are big, hairy bears. <laughs> they like the look of this brand new little bear on the scene. This bit really got... <laughs> kind of made me feel a little bit uncomfortable in terms of the powerful homoerotic <laughs> kind of allegation. There was an element of... You know, some dudes hanging out in hot water. Uh, Maybe that's just me. I don't know. (laughs) There were a 
rather touchy feel. I mean, they're, they're, it's not as this big happy community of bears, but they are rather yeah. like they try to hug him or something like that, or like put him on his lap, which is a little weird. Yeah, yeah. you're familiar with the term bear within the gay community, yes? Yes. Yeah. And and Michael Clark Duncan is the, yeah. is giving the voice of the biggest one. Oh, hello there, welcome. And he's called Tug. <laughs> uh, well, what 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 other meanings does Tug have? Um, to, well, I'll I'll leave it to your imagination. What someone might tug off their own appendage. Um, okay, I, I was thinking you were referring to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure at Disney they went through rigorous kind of quality control, and I'm sure somebody at some point would have said, hang on a minute, guys, is there a possibility this could be misinterpreted? Or I'm just a freak. I don't know. <laughs> but I did get a little bit of a feeling of, uh, okay, wow, chicka, wow, wow, wow. No. Okay, fortunately the bears are more interested in salmon than getting it than, yeah. than, 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 than tugging on each other or whatever. On. Okay, no. Um more interested in the other pink flesh. What is it? I'll stop now, I'm sorry. Um as if bears are pink flesh. Anyway. Um but um, Kenai freaks out. He like screams among all these other bigger bears, and they and Kota's like, "Oh, he's never hibernated before, or he doesn't know he doesn't know how to fish or whatever." But whatever, the bears are non-judgmental, and there's this big happy song by the Blind Boys of Alabama. Um, except for when Phil Collins is cutting in for the quote-unquote impactful bits. Um, <laughs> All about it's not a bad it's not a bad song, but it. it it's not that memorable. I and Blind Boys of Alabama, by the way, they did the the theme song for The Wire for the first season of it. Oh, and here they are doing a Disney film. Yeah, um, actually, each season of The Wire, the it's the same theme song but a different artist. Like the second season, it's Tom Waits. Um, I don't know who the other artists though, but um, any thoughts about this song or the salmon hunting montage? Uh, it's, it's a fun little montage. I mentioned it earlier about if there was a song that could have been sung by the cast, this could have been it to kind of give off the story, to kind of explain more about what it's like to be a bear. and The bare necessities of life, you might say. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. It's, it's when Kenai's seeing that fun side of bears and that nice side of bears rather yeah. than the scary view that he already has, sort of changing his viewpoint. <coughs> but now he's been traumatized by the big grooming bears. <laughs> According to Pandy. Well, you know, in the navy, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it was a song that Lincoln quite liked as well because there's lots of little funny moments and like people falling in the water and being slapped with fish and you know there's all sorts of things to go ha 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 about it. And then there's cutie cutie like- card also. There's a bit where it stops and it's he's underwater, um, and the music goes quiet and it's all magical. So it's, that's a nice moment. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but Kenai finally catches a salmon. Um, th- th- they could have been. 
again, I don't, I don't hate the song, but there could have been a be- better sort of montage about him learning to to catch a salmon. Um, it was a perfectly serviceable milk toast song. <laughs> perfectly serviceable and milk toast. <laughs> <laughs> High praise. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the bears, they're, like, they're all together. They're, there's one big happy family or whatever, bears, and they have a storytelling thing, and there's this crazy Croatian bear for some reason. There's a what, sorry? There's a, one of the bears, he, he has like sort of eyebrows on him. And yes, the... He's the one that like, spoke not that... The Croatian bear. There's like, so the a gray one. Like, he spoke. He, he spoke like a language that nobody else understood, but it turns out it's Croatian. Yep. Yeah. For, um, for some reason, there's yeah. an old lady bear who's lamenting the loss of her husband, even though he's just over there. <laughs> She's my favorite. <laughs> she, she, she gaslighting him, or or is she senile, or I think trying to dump him. I think possibly. Um, she's the voice of uh, Mrs. Potato Head. Interesting. Oh, that's right. Uh, Estelle Harris, um, and I, I was very amazed to see in the voice cast notes uh, Greg Proops um, oh, yeah. from Whose Line Is It Anyway as uh, the male lover bear uh, opposite Paula Parrott, who just a quick look at her Wikipedia it reminds me that I don't know who she is because she was on <laughs> NCIS, which I've never seen. Um, barely, they swap stories and then Coda, well, as you say earlier, Coda was telling the story, but he said, oh, I'll save it for the salmon run, because mm-hmm. apparently there's a thing, um, because bears totally get along this well in fighting for salmon, they don't, like, box each other with their claws or whatever. Yeah. Or, or try to cannibalize their cubs or stuff, but, um, anyway, um, Coda tells a story about... The, this monster hunter that was pursuing him and his mom, and uh, Kina realizes that he and his brother are the monsters slash hunters in the story, um, and he panics um, and runs off and goes like to the top of a mountain with this aurora, and um, Coda finds him on the rock, and um, Coda finally. T- Tells that you comes clean with he. Can I finally t- tells Coda, um, the story, but um, like coming clean about who he is and what he did, which was for some reason the filmmakers decided to drown out with a bland, manipulative Phil Collins song. Yeah, <laughs> which which fra- which quite frankly ruined the scene for me. The song itself is rubbish, but yeah. I did like that they were kind of they chose the narrative device of like a, a very kind of slow moving panning shot um, with little kind of reaction faces whilst the story is being told. You don't hear the story being told. But you know what it is. You know what it is. And I, I really appreciated the animation being exact um, for the, the face. I mean, you don't see the face all the way through, but you see kind of the, the jaw moving and you see Kenai telling the story and you might see the front of his face. Um, kind of shot up on the right whilst his face is in the middle as the, the camera goes around him. I think in terms of an interesting animation idea, it's to be commended. But yeah, it's Phil Collins kind of spoils <laughs> it. You can't all over it. It's seeing the facial expression of Coda as you can, you mm. can tell what part of the story 
keen eyes got to and that's that's when I start to cry it makes it very powerful I'm gonna sound like a, like a very unsympathetic bastard but I, I didn't cry at all during this film <gasps> you I, I wanted to like it but it, it just didn't hit it didn't hit me as hard as other <laughs> Disney films I mean, I didn't cry at this point. I, by this point, I, 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 before I watched the film, I knew that Kenai was the one who had killed. It's like the, the mum, the bear that um, Kenai had killed was Coda's mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether I just knew that because I guessed it or knew it because it appeared on some kind of uh, spoilers list or something, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe it was that that didn't make me cry at this moment. But I could see how it would be an emotionally powerful bit. But also, it's very, very obviously telegraphed if you've never seen the mm-hmm. film before. Yeah. Um, so the, the fact that it, it was him that killed the mum, or it was the mum that he killed, I should say, that's not the important bit. The thing that was important, as Kel said, was the reaction of Coda. And I think the animation of the bear cub is, is very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say this is, a, this is a very good looking film and is very well animated, like especially the bears, like as both both in the more cartoony kind and the hyper realistic kind at the beginning. But um, yeah, the, the scene didn't work for me, mostly because of Phil Collins and the music. And I, I wish <laughs> I, I wish they had just played it like played it fairly straight or had like some orchestral music as as they told. I'm trying, to think of, is there, I'm trying to think of there's like a scene in Prince of Egypt or another one where like there's like music playing when something is told. Yeah. Um, is that going to be effective sometimes? But not for um, you, not this scene. No. But Coda runs off. Um, Kinai tries to follow him. He sees his bare footprint in the snow at one point. It does start snowing, which at first I questioned, but then I looked it up. Apparently, the salmon run is September to November, so. I don't know how the quite how the weather goes in Alaska, or let alone during the ice age. But it wouldn't surprise me if it started snowing mm. like around then. Um, who knows if we'll get snow this year? We didn't last year in my area. Yeah, global warning. Last. Yep. Um, but he sees a, his bare footprint in the snow, and he like sort of turns it into a human handprint. Um, I guess, but um. Dinahi's in the mountains with this tiny-ass campfire, because he's a sucky hunter. Um, <laughs> with, so with facial hair, and I think he has lines under his eyes at this point, but at this point, he's visited by a bald eagle, who turns out as Sitka. He's well, we, 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 It's revealed later, but it is weird, like, every time there's a bald eagle, you, you're supposed to think it's Sitka rather than a real one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Then I think it's this one where we see the Kenai. Uh, um, I, can't, I keep saying Kenai. Well, their names are too similar, Kenai and Koda. They're brothers who are bears. Even, but even Kenan and Kel sound dis- distinct enough. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh. Um, but anyway, that it's, it's here that there's that I can't believe you total a mammoth and the I love you joke. Yeah, mooses. Um, Let's explain that one to the kids. It's actually here. There's a, a very obviously they couldn't bring up. It would be anachronistic to bring up like mooses bring beer there. But one of them tells them about how you like to have um, malted hops. 
which is a reference yeah, to beer. It's like malted hops on top of a pile of weed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that was, that's a that's a nice reference for the adults, but um, <laughs> but um, they're they're having an argument, but I eventually reconcile it. Um, and one of them tries to like take on Coda as one of their brothers, but he says, "I've had enough of brothers." Um, and then Danahi, Danahi and Kenai corner each other again, right? Yeah, the, he's he's trying to climb to the top of the mountain because he's now kind of very very sad that things have gone wrong and he's very upset with himself and trying to just end this nightmare. But who's waiting for him? Or who's there at the end? Oh, the, oh, oh! That's right. The, the visual it looks like there's like an eagle coming out of the mist, but it's actually Dinahi with a cape. Mm. Yes, which is a nice tease. Um, and. I think he's like has him cornered, but okay. This is a big gripe with the film. Coda jumps in to save his new brother already. Why? How has he forgiven him that quickly? Because the moose has convinced him that brothers are fallible, and he's only young. But he was basic. He was basically Bruce Wayne. Why? Why isn't he like looking up <sighs> to heaven, shaking his fist, and saying like, "From now on, I vow to hunt to." Bring to justice all criminals. They're all hunters. So you want Coda to turn into a vigilante billionaire? <laughs> or he becomes Bat Bear. Like a what? bat flies he into the woods. Why bears the Wayne? Bears frighten me, Alfred. <laughs> I mean, I think it works. I disagree with you. I think it works to have... Someone who Coda is clearly cares about at this point because they've they've already described each other as being brothers at the Salmon Run, or, or Coda said that he's a brother at the Salmon Run. And yes, they've had a bit of a falling out, but the Mooses have kind of had their little kind of comic turnaround thing. And he's obviously decided, yes, I am going to say. But, this thing. but mur- murder, even if it's like manslaughter, he, he I mean. Kenai's had murdered Coda's mother out of hatred and vengeance. When how how does he forgive something that quickly, especially compared to the Mooses and what they're arguing against? It's it's a big, mm, it's quite a big jump. But yeah, it, exactly, yes, that, 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 that's the sort of thing that would like just you would think would destroy like relationships between siblings potentially, but or, 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 or like or friends even. What we don't we don't hear all of the stories. We don't know exactly what was told in that moment. All we know is that Coda walked away saying, I don't like this story. So it might be that Coda's kind of heard enough by this point to be conflicted and has gone off to go and think about stuff. I I, I get where you're coming from, but, you know, this is a young child bear. And in that moment, if you saw your kind of new mental figure being attacked, you wouldn't go, yep, and you deserve it, you shit. You'd, you'd want to protect your protector, or, or kind of. Perhaps. I've not watched my my mother be killed by somebody, so I don't know how I would react in that moment. You know? I don't know. Maybe if there was more time apart, like more of like a down period, then I would be able to buy it sooner. Yeah, and like maybe. more time to reflect on it, or if one or both of them had like a Rafiki figure like to help sort it out. Maybe. Or if it, or if I I, I, I not to. I don't mean to compare this film like unfairly to the Lion King here and there, but um, anyway, uh, 
Code Jemson to save his new brother, and the they're on top of the mountain now, right? Uh, then they're very near the top of the mountain. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of on a ledge. They kind of fall down a ledge from from the very top. Yeah, um, um, and the eagle the eagle comes and turns into Sitka again, right? Yeah, and naked Gordon Sitka. The and then the, oh no, well, so naked, naked Kenai, because he he reveals to Denali that this bear is your brother, and you see Kenai from the shoulders up, the yeah. bear shoulders up, so he. <laughs> Yeah, you, um, you don't forced, see his tugger. He kind of forced ghosts his spear down and takes a, a, a kind of blanket. At this point, the, the snow melts, by the way. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. So, you know, weather is all over the place at the moment. But forced ghost Sitka comes to the rescue. And uh, then, of course, there's little Coda who sees the, the human... Um, Coda. Not the Coda. Kenai. You're right. Yeah, they yeah. are two similar names. Um and there's there's a, a lovely little moment of a, a little bear and a, a, a human having a cuddle mm-hmm. and understanding on the face of the the brothers. It's surprising how how Denahi comes around so quickly. He's like, oh yeah, oh, ah, yeah. he was he was the bear. He was the ah, oh, what a silly boy I've been. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't apologize or does he even does he hug um does he hug Kenai? Uh, or, or cry even because if he just like if he just word us and like hugged him hard and like cried as as like a way of apologizing that would be fine. Uh, I mean, I don't think he does. He's probably in a bit of shock seeing a bear turn into his brother who he thought was dead, but he he watches the little snuggle between bear and beast. Now that's a, that's a genuinely touching moment. Surely you got to agree, it's a beautiful yeah. moment. Yeah. Th- then there's, um. Does Kenai say that he accepted? But Kenai basically accepts being turned back into a bear. What does what does he say? I don't remember. Is that he needs me? Yeah, oh yeah, Coda needs him. Okay. Um, um, and oh yeah, there's a hug between the bear, the the force ghost, and the human brother. Um, and Co- the the uh, Coda, the spirit of Coda's mother, comes and hugs him, a la Cubone and Marowak. <laughs> now, that was the bit that broke me. Really? That's where I started crying when little Coda got to have a cuddle with the Force Ghost's mum. And, um, oh, it's beautiful. It's so cute. It's, I, I, I defy you to not find that touching. It, 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 it was quite late in the film. And I, at this point, I was kind of, but, Kind of getting getting a little tired of it, and my gripes are mounting up. So it, was, it felt a little uh, too little, too late. But you see that the the reconciliation of the three brothers, because you only saw a very short amount of time with the three mothers, but you, the three mothers, the three brothers, <laughs> but you do get a, a real sense of kind of, of of a bond, even though two of them wind each up something rotten, and they've kind of clearly come round to you know get along with each other even though one of them's dead Manning up. and one's been trying to kill the other one for the rest of the film and then you turn around and see Coda yeah. being able to say goodbye to his mummy his mama <laughs> mm. oh come on I, I feel like there is the, what, there isn't enough time to develop really any of these relationships apart apart from ironically the mooses I feel like this, <laughs> this film is too this film is actually too short and there should have been more time with the three brothers at the beginning, more time with 
like Danahi and Kenai falling out over the bear and losing Sitka more more time with Kenai redeem like bonding with Koda and like redeeming himself and Koda coming to forgive him. I feel like this this doesn't work in it and I guess how long is this film? Like eighty minutes ish? It's uh yeah. I feel, I feel like they, they didn't spend enough time developing the bonds between the characters. I mean, whilst I do think the ending is a little bit rushed, I disagree yes, with you. Yes, it, it is, especially towards the ending. Yeah, but I, I disagree. I think there is enough time to develop quite a lot of a, a connection between the major players. I think mm. what what could have been handled better is the middle bit. But certainly by this point in the film, you... you if you care for Coda, which obviously you don't, you kind of mm-hmm. you appreciate th- this moment of reconciliation. Is is it's again a really well animated moment of of snuggles between um, these kind of anthropomorphic um, bears or kind of stylized cartoony I will, bears. I, I will say, what I did notice that the spirit of um, Coda's mother, she does have more human, war, like sort of warmer, warmer eyes. Yes, yeah, they, they kind change? of made her better. And then Mummy Bear and Sitka go off into the, the wild blue yonder together. Mm-hmm. As bear and man. man and bear man. and eagle. Um, eagle and bear. Kind of like Banjo-Kazooie when you think about it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's what this film should have been. This was the the the, the kind of prequel oh, to Big Bang Oh, Tadana should have been the Gruntilda figure. That's what's wrong with this film. This should have been an adaptation of Banjo-Kazooie and Ice Age Alaska with more... or writing a better film. I mean, surely Tanana is mumbo-jumbo. Although, actually, in this case, it's Sitka who's mumbo-jumbo because he turns Sitka Kamali into a... Ba- you know, Kel's sitting here with no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't um, even nope. played this game, but I know the basics of it. <laughs> Do you want to explain, Bandy, or...? Um, you know that that game that the kids have been watching a lot of recently, watching whilst they brush their teeth? Mm-hmm. It's about a bear and a bird who are going on a mission against a witch. That's pretty much all you need to know. Yeah. It's your standard kind of N64 collector form, but it's very well written and very well made and uh, lives on in the hearts of the faithful. Link wants to play it. He does. <laughs> Grintilda's a witch that is the antagonist, right? Yes, and she spends the entirety of the first game speaking in a hembic pentameter. Wash your hands, you filthy bear. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you went down there. Now wash your hands, filthy bear. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I think we go back to the village or the, I guess, the sacred rock or cave where they're doing the dance. Um, Denali is actually clean-shaven again, and Kenai and Koda are basically domesticated by the tribe or join the tribe, and there's a, there's a thing earlier about have like these. Oh, I guess another thing that shorthand for the Ice Age is you know cave paintings. They're shown earlier. Um, you know, like at, in Europe, there's a fair number of cave. Well, all around the world, there's a fair number of Ice Age cave paintings. Um, but there's something earlier about Kenai like wanting to basically put his handprint on the wall, like to be part of the community. But Kenai the bear puts his paw print on the wall and is except. Mm-hmm. I guess Tanana gave everybody the lowdown. Okay, this bear here is tame. It turns out it's Kenai. He was talking to us about his spirits, and he's going to live as a bear, and everyone was cool with it. 
Yep, and the children are quite happy to sit with a bear cub. <laughs> there's, the, there's no version of um, Mrs. Lovegood saying, oh, somebody please think of the children. <laughs> um, and then there's a uh, there's a reprise of the Tina Turner song and um, <laughs> and Sid, Sid get the eagle watching on and flying towards the camera as did they show the, the title card again? Like, Brother Bear? Because that was another um, Lion King cut. At the very end of the Lion King, you see, like, yeah. a reprise of Circle of Life and then the Lion King title card. Do they do that with Brother Bear? They do, yeah. Brother Bear flashes up. But uh, then what what happens next, which doesn't happen in the Lion King, is they cut to the the, the kind of, I'd say the outtakes, but the kind of uh, the extra scenes. little scenes. Um, the moose and the rams. The mooses, the, the yeah, the rams who are kind of out of breath, still shouting at their own echoes, and there's a, a weirdly shaped bear doing the kind of wacky Hall of Maze mirrors thing with them, but it turns out he's just got a wacky face. <laughs> uh, yeah, so some nice ways of finishing, which are oh, completely uh, unnecessary. Yeah, they, 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 again, an unfair comparison, but Lilo and Stitch but did this better. Yeah. I think that um, they've probably seen that Pixar have done it with Toy Story and Bugs Life yeah. and gone, yep, yep, we'll do that yeah. too, great. And the, the, there's this weird one where Coda is like, pa- it, well, Coda the bear, no, not Coda, excuse me, Kenai the bear is like painting a moose and it looks like a stick figure, but Coda has done this Sabra yeah. painting for somehow, which <laughs> you would have no way of having a point of reference for. Yeah, it's um, it's a quite a famous piece of art, which I can't remember the name of. Um, you, you've all, I think, Grand Jot or something like that. You've, everyone's seen it. You have all these, like, picnickers and a dog, like, all facing in one direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he had done, like, a fair is... Mona Lisa or something closer to something like that, but he, he's depicting humans in, ni- like, late 19th century attire with a dog and, but, but what? What? <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, this is a time-traveling bit. It, yeah. It's very odd. It's very odd indeed, but you know, um, it's a uh, it's a choice. Yeah. Um, and, and there's more forgettable Phil Collins songs throughout the entire <laughs> credits. Yeah. Um, and then there's the. Did you see the post credit scene at the very end? Uh, no, we didn't. What happens right at the end? There's C- Coda says something about goes to the camera. He breaks the fourth wall. Says no fish or harm in the making of this film. But in the background, there's this large bear pursuing a salmon, which is screaming. Oh, <laughs> kind of disturbing, actually. It's kind of disturbing, yeah. yeah. Um, so, kid, I hope you didn't. Uh, were the, if you're, maybe it's a good thing your kids didn't see that. So when they see this, they go like, hey, "What about the salmon? What, they're all going to die." <laughs> uh, okay, I, I, I'm sorry. I've been so harsh on this film. I thought it. <laughs> in truth, I thought it would be much harsher, much angrier than I'm coming across. But before I get into it, what do each of you think of this film? Starting with Kel. Um, I think because I watched it when I was younger, um, and I watched it so much, I really obviously this is this film's got a nice little place in my heart. It's not one of my favourite Disney films, and not one that I go back to. Okay. But if people mention it, I go, oh, yeah, that's a nice film. <laughs> and that's what I'd say. It's a nice film. It's Again, it's not one I'd go back to um, mm-hmm. often, but it's it's nice to watch, and it's an easy one to watch as well, apart from the couple of sad scenes. Mm-hmm. So overall, I quite like it, but there are some bugbears. <laughs> nice one. Hey. <laughs> we haven't had any good slash bad bear jokes in a while, so keep them coming. 
It's not um, so awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, uh, what about you, Family Bear? Uh, well, yeah, my first time watching it, I was surprised how much I did actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think once you kind of leave your expectations in the door, I mean, this this is not Disney Renaissance. This is not like a really kind of high piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by this point, certainly in my mind, um, I, I had lost interest in Disney. It had kind of got away from me. The last Disney film I would have watched in the cinema would have been The Emperor's New Groove. Uh-huh. Um, didn't really care for Atlantis, even though I did watch it on DVD when it was out on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when this one came along, just missed it. But... I think if I had watched it at the time, I would have dismissed it as not as good as, like, The Lion King. Mm-hmm. I think watching it with 2023 20, eyes, yes, there are some problems in terms of whitewashing and kind of the, the story pacing being a bit off. But there's a lot to appreciate about this film for me. Um, I think that the scenery painting is gorgeous, and I think that is a, a big plus of the entire film, is just how it looks. The animation is good as well. I think there is a bit of a problem with the connection or the the animation being layered over the scenery painting sometimes. For me, it looked a little bit kind of skewed, um, but that's a, a minor thing. It might be that some of it was computer-generated and it just mm, didn't yeah. kind of pass the Uncanny Valley check for me. Um but, um, yeah, I, I think as a whole, it's a, a thoroughly watchable film with some kind of funny stuff in there that obviously our kids enjoyed and could appreciate on a kind of face value level. And we could kind of explain, oh, no, that's happened. And now he's got to go and do that. Oh, no, he doesn't realize that his brother's turned into a bear. What's going to happen next? And, you know, it was fairly straightforward for the kids to follow and there was enjoyable moments along the way so completely inoffensive um beautiful film with not a lot in it but for me again that means there's not a huge amount to criticize okay um i don't hate this film but i'm not that fond of it either i I don't remember what i thought of it when i saw it for the first time like 10 or 15 years ago but for me, it felt a lot of feel as great as it looks, it feels insubstantial, like in terms of the character, the story, and the songs. And he and I, um, I don't think Phil fully redeemed himself. And Coda is just not just annoying and smug for too, out, too much of it and forgives <laughs> Kenai too easily. And I, the voice acting is fine, but I feel like even as hard as people are, as hard as they're trying, even like Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, I feel like there isn't a real stand out like vo- vocal performance to like help elevate it like have i have i ever, have I ever seen treasure planet uh i think i have but i remember absolutely nothing about it <laughs> okay no. treasure planet one of the big pluses of it is the voice cast because you have david hyde pierce and emma thompson in it for one and they're amazing nice. so they they help elevate it quite a bit and same with the actor who plays long john silver and um i'm well, well g- I don't want to repeat too much from the previous review, um, and you might l- not like it as much as me and my co-host did. But I feel like even with even in this era, there was even though they're kind of struggling with some of their films, they had some great vocal performances and things going for them. But I feel like here is where the wheels are finally coming off, um, where they, they they don't have as much of a clear vision, or they don't have as many 
original. We keep referencing the Lion King. I feel like they're running out of fresh ideas. I think you're mentioning the Lion King a lot. Okay, <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, I think it's an unfair comparison, but I do agree that, yes, they are kind of... This film is lacking vision compared with something yeah. quite kind of highfalutin as the Lion King. Yeah. They've kind of, they're finding it difficult to find new ideas and keep them. It's not as impactful, is it? Yeah. yeah. Whereas it's got a nice message and it tells a decent story. It's mm. not world beating. Yeah. Um, it had six credited writers and at times it, it shows. It feels like <laughs> it was written by a committee. Um, not as bland as the film Dinosaur, which I'm, which I was so disappointed with. How do you make a boring film about dinosaurs? <laughs> um, but there's nothing, I will say, there's nothing offensive about it other than the whitewashing and the transformation trope. It, I mean, at the time, it was maybe, I don't know if this attracted quite as much of a protest as Pocahontas did. Um, but even Pocahontas, at least, was pushing the boat out a bit in terms of representation while getting other things wrong. Um it did do well financially, but it didn't crack the top ten. Like the, I think, the, I, th- I think it's still frozen that they have a Disney film as one of the top ten of the year financially. I, but I got mostly mixed to negative reviews, and I heard somewhere Roy Disney didn't care for it. And this one, at least so far, unlike Atlantis or Lilo and Stitch and Treasure Planet, it doesn't seem to have fostered much of a critical reevaluation or cult following yet, or at least as far as I know. Um, I, I hope I was going in where I was worried going into this. I, I felt like I, I was worried like this would be like Kel, this would be like one of your favorite Disney films. I would be kicking it like <laughs> like it's a little like it's a little defenseless puppy or cub. You'd be mauling it like a bear. Well, but, well, well, when you review something, you have to mull over it. <laughs> I say, um. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature in 2003, or for 2003, but it lost to Finding Nemo. Um, Which I think is fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, it did get a sequel. I've not seen it. The voice cast does sound promising, but I don't have high, It's a Disney director video sequel, so I don't have high hopes. But apparently, Patrick Dempsey replaced Whack and Bottom. Oh. Okay. Which could, Him could off be, of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Or, or Enchanted. Oh yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, so maybe, maybe that was part of that. And apparently, his love interest is voiced by Mandy Moore. I mean, it means more whitewashing, but huh. um, there's some big names in this cast. We yeah. see yeah. Jim um, Cummins, Kathy Najimy, Catherine um, O'Hara, Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes, yeah. Um, and apparently, Melissa Etheridge takes the role with Phil Collins in it. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, I don't hate this film. It's not one of the the next Disney film I'm covering is, but I'm sure is much much worse. It has a <laughs> much worse reputation, but I don't. This is not one I see myself coming back to. At least not seeing it in full. Uh, maybe just on mute or maybe in a different language, so I can just appreciate the nuances of like the Alaskan landscape and how it's realized more. But yeah, this is. I was not that crazy about this one overall. Um, is there anything else we should discuss or bring up before we score out of? Oh, 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 Kelly, you wanted to. You had a list of eight Disney films, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, why, why don't you why don't you tell us your list and where this ranks among them? So this is my eight top moments 
that make me cry in Disney films. And I wanted to see what you two sort of responded to. Okay. So number eight is The Lion King, When Mufasa Dies. Uh, at the bottom of the list? Yes, at the bottom of my list. I, no, that never made me really sad. Yeah, some people absolutely are distraught by it, but I don't know if it's because I watched it from a very young age and I was sort of desensitised to it. I, I'm desensitised to it. I'm kind of desensitized to it now, but I still think it it's very impactful, and I still think it deserves points for for the way it was executed versus Bambi's. But why don't you why don't you continue your list? Yes. So number seven is in Frozen Two when okay. Olaf disappears when um, Elsa loses her magic or whatever uh, happens. Spoilers. I'm oh, I'm sorry. looking forward to <laughs> Olaf disappearing. <laughs> oh, Christian was crying, but it's for happiness reasons. <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I, I was going to this episode. There was a scene in it where I was crying, but not for the reasons that you think. I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll save it for the episode if, if you could not like tell anybody. But I do want to save that for the. I, I'll, I'll tell you if, if you want to hear it. Oh yes, um, please. <laughs> but, but but Kelly, can, can complete your list? I'm sorry. Um, number six is the scene in Bambi. We all know and, uh, and dread. Bang. Bang. When Bambi's mummy dies. <laughs> it's always, always wants to make me cry. Um, in number five, <laughs> I had to count then, is this, that scene in Brother Bear. Number five. Where, where he's hugging his mom. Oh, specifically that one. Mm-hmm. The other one made you cry, but is that on your list as well? No. Oh, okay. Because there's a lot worse than that. Oh. But yes, when he's, he's hugging his mom. That's a beautiful moment. Yeah. And then number four is the scene in Fox and the Hound when Todd is left in the woods by his foster mom. Mm, okay. I've not seen Fox and the Hound. <gasps> I've never seen it. <gasps> that has a bearing I, also, I, but I won't say more. As I, mentioned, as I messaged Christian the other day, saying that the Best of Friends song came on in the car and it made me all sad and think of that <laughs> moment. I was like, oh, I used to go, when I used to watch it when I was younger, I would go to the toilet during that bit so I didn't have to watch it and cry. Aww. And I still do now. Aww. In at number three is Dumbo. Oh, That would probably be my number one, actually. Right. Where they, he, the, the mum has to stick her trunk out the window to cradle her Aww. baby. That one never yeah. fails to make me cry. I think I remember singing that to you at some point when Evie was young, like yeah. deliberately to make you cry. They used to, so they used to play it at her ballet. That song, and I'd listen to it on the on the outside. It's horrible. Um, in at number two, I think we can all agree on this one. Up. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> the beginning of Up. Oh, oh yeah. especially especially because of Anne and Lily's wedding. Yes, our friends. Uh, our friend walked up the aisle to that song. And the groom turned around and did full-on ugly crying in front of the entire auditorium. It was incredible. Oh. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. That was a beautiful moment. So absolutely beautiful as well, indeed. Uh, so number one. And oh, what, what, what was that? That was three, wasn't it? Or was that a member's counting? Uh, three was Dumbo. Oh, okay, then what's your number yeah. one? Two was up. One is near the end of Coco. Oh, good oh, okay. God. That was an absolute... We watched it one Christmas, and <laughs> none of us had seen it before, and it got to that point, and me and Andy were just in absolute bits, sobbing, oh. and the kids didn't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> Evie came over and started licking up my tears. 
They're the oh. sort of soul team, like Scott Tenement. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all quite close, even we, though they're a top eight. We watched that again quite recently, and it's still... <laughs> it's, I, I walked out, I didn't uh, watch it. Oh, I cried. Yeah. Have you seen Coco, Christian? Yeah, a few times. It's a, oh. it's a really good picture of him. Are you, I, I guess, are you covering it on this podcast? No, I, I'm sticking to Disney animated films. That, although, well, as ah. you know, we're doing some specials, and we'll, we'll talk about scheduling that off the air. Oh, good God. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. um, but but if, if not, there is not Pixar. Pixar, Pixar is a whole other beast, though. Probably... There actually is a, there actually is a uh, podcast I could recommend that covers Pixar films, if you want to hear it. Yeah, 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 let us know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bung it over to you. Um, uh, Pandy, did did, uh, did any of the scenes in this film make your top five or top ten saddest Disney scenes? Um, um, wow, <laughs> that was a funny voice crack. Um, I, off the top of my head, there's not a huge amount of Disney scenes that do make me cry. That being said, when I've kind of revisited old stuff, which never used to get me going as a child, crying-wise, um... I do find myself weirdly emotional in some places. So I'd say, yes, the themes from this film didn't make me emotional, especially the, the, the hugging of the bears at the end of this film. I think it's because it's unexpected as well with, with that. But you're so focused on Kenai becoming yeah. human again. And then all of a sudden there's Coda hugging his mom. You're like, ooh, ooh. And, then, and that's kind of, oh, that's such a nice thing that happens. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh. So, yeah, I, I think it probably would appear in, my my top eight, top ten, whatever, but purely because, like Cal says, I've not got... I didn't know that was going to happen. And a lot of the other Disney films I, I saw a lot as a child, so they've not really got the kind of the surprise factor. Um, but, yeah, obviously that doesn't make you cry at all. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm sorry. My, my, the, the, I watched this film twice, both times dry-eyed. Stone cold. Sorry. Stone cold. <laughs> yep. When you're ready, we'll score them out of five. Yeah, yeah, I think we're good. Out of five. Yeah. Out of five. Okay. Who mm. wants to go first? Okay, so my mark out of five, then. I I think we're going to have to give this one a three. Okay. Um, because it, it's a very well-told film. Well, it's a well-told film, or it looks nice. It's got some nice mm. moments in it, but cohesively it doesn't really come together for me. Um, there's a lot to get out of it, but on a, on a Disney scale, there are much much better films in the canon. Okay, um, Kel. Yep, I'm going to agree with a three as well. Probably a high three if I can go for a high three. Um, okay. but gen- generally because there's some really nice parts of it, it's, it is emotional for me at points. Um, it's got some beautiful artwork and and texture and color as well. Um, but like Andy said, it's there's other films that completely top it, and there's a lot of other films that top it. But it's a nice film and one that I could put on in the background while doing some work or playing with the kids or something. So a nice solid three. Okay. Um, I have to be the bastard in the group and give it a two. I, again, I don't hate it. Maybe like for a younger audience, it would be a three or a four, but I, it. And maybe I'm punishing it too much for being a, a film for younger kids with lower stakes and less violence and conflict and stuff. Um, but no, it, it, but no, it, it doesn't quite do it for me. As beautiful, as beautiful as it is. 
You'd be the Craig Revel Horwood of the group. Who's that? As a, uh, a judge on the English version of Dancing with the Stars. So is he the Simon Callow of the... the Simon Callow. Simon uh, Callow. Uh, Simon... Cowell. 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 Uh, he's Simon he's Cowell a bit of the Simon Callow as well in terms of campness. But, uh, well, he's, he's kind of notoriously difficult to please. So when he when the very rare occasions where he gives a 10, that Ooh. means you know that it's a good dance. I can't think of any good Simon Callow quotes or performances now. But I, I have never, I've never seen um, Street Fighter. <laughs> I think I know. The th- I think the thing I know about Trump is the great re- Simon Callow's Street Fighter. You <laughs> <laughs> can even do Ace Ventura when nature calls. Very good, Mister Ventura. Very good. Um, thing I. The main thing I think of, the first thing I think of, I think of Sam Callow is the great green grasshopper. Uh, oh, from James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. Which, which is a potential special episode. <sighs> Look, I am sorry. If I was driving, this never would have happened. Oh, eh? just stop you never it. let me drive. You never let me do nothing. Oh, trample off, eh? I said I was sorry. Let it go. I can't believe you totaled a mammoth, Oh, eh? come on. That mountain came out of nowhere. I am afraid I cannot accept your apology. It was in my blind spot. And hey, I... look. What, what? It's that little cub. Gee, hey, something's bugging him. Hey, what's wrong, smallish bear? Nothing. I'm fine. Oh, good. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. You're a big, selfish, reckless hoofer, and you're never going to change. What? I'm fed up with it, eh? From now on, he's my new brother. You can't do that. Sorry. You've been replaced with my dear brother. Gee, I forget your name. What's your name again, little bear? I don't want any more brothers. See? He's had enough of you, too, eh? Oh, come on. I promise I'll change. Trample off. You'll never change. Being a brother means nothing to you. Of course it does, eh? Oh, yeah? Like what? Well, what about the time your hooves froze in the pond? Who sat with you all winter, eh? You did. And who showed you where the good grazing is? I mean, the really tender stuff, all covered in dew. Now, why do you think I did that, eh? Because I... Because I love... Dew. Excuse me? I don't believe I heard what you said. I said I love dew. I love do too, eh? Hey, I can change. Go away. Come on, I can change. Go away, don't touch me. I can change. Hey, not, <laughs> not there, that's the spot. <laughs> like we'll see you later, smallish bear. Yeah, good day, eh? <laughs> hey, you know what this calls for? pile of delicious barley and amber wheat on a cool bed of malted hops, eh? I like it. Before we go, um, Pam, do you anything to promote? Uh, well, Hey, an actor is, uh, we're on episode 98, um, coming up very soon. We're talking about Ben Affleck and then episode 99 will be his erstwhile pal, uh, Matt Damon. And then we're hoping to finish the year with episode 100 of, uh, yeah, of, of our show. <laughs> it, it's a big if at the moment because we're, we're both going <laughs> quite a lot at the moment. Um, but if it's not the Christmas episode or the end of the year episode, it'll be very early into next year. Mm-hmm. And then we start a very interesting year of the podcast. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but yeah, that's, you've got to listen in to find out more. Interesting. Mm. Kelly, do you have anything to promote or project? 
Nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, she's very good at making clothes, but uh, not recently, though. No. <laughs> you'll, 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 you'll well, I don't know anything about your sewing, but I'm sure if, if something you need, if you get back into practice, uh, I'm sure your muscle memory will come back or whatever. I have done the odd um, Disney outfit for the kids a while back. Oh, they were very nice. And uh, if you need advice, provision for special educational needs children in the Milton Keynes area, she's your girl. Yay. <laughs> All right. Okay, next up on the podcast is the notorious Home on the Range. Oh, dear. Um, as of now, I have two people signed up for that. One of them, it won't surprise you to know, is Will Ackerman. Never. Yeah. Or to that resident bad movie connoisseur. <laughs> um, possibly another co-host who hasn't been on there before, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll reveal, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I wouldn't blame them if they ducked out. If there's, a, if there's a film to bail on, it's this one. <laughs> Have I ever seen Home on the Range? I hope not. Can you type it in? We watched this weird farm one last That's year, the- I think. I think that's the one. Is the one with the hypnotic like, cattle rustler, voiced by Randy Quaid, mm. Roseanne Barr, and Judy Dench and Jennifer Tilly as cows. I don't think I've seen that one. I think this one was a, a the one that I saw last year was a similar one. No, I don't well, think I've seen Home on the Range. Okay, it's one of the ones credit credited for. It's considered a low point at the company. I've I've only seen it once. It'll be interesting to see just how horrible it is. Yeah, it looks a bit weird, actually. I'm looking forward to watching it and listening along. If, if you do, please... Well, if you have time to write in, then please do. If you don't, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, I've got Ben Affleck films to watch first, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, yeah don't, don't let me get in the way of her. Um, <laughs> okay, thanks for joining me for this one. I'm, I, I hope I wasn't grouchy or like, too mean about it. You are fine. It's, your opinions are perfectly valid and worthwhile, and it's probably one of the failings of the movie that it didn't engage everybody mm-hmm. in the way it wanted to. Um, that's it for this one. Um, Don't upset the spirits. Yeah. Uh, be, be, beware, the spe- beware the bears. <laughs> and if you find yourself turned into a bear, don't rely on some stupid old woman shaman because she's going to make you believe it's some sort of spiritual quest and your brother died for a good reason. I'm sure she had nothing to do with it, even though she clearly has commune with the spirits and possibly had some kind of idea that something would lead to the death of somebody and that she was just going to let it happen. Her, the death of those bears and that man is on her conscience. And and, and he, she could have solved her mistake so she's it's, the real villain of the film, then? She is the real antagonist. You it, tell her. It's horrible. How dare she be? There's Tina Turner singing about lovely stuff, and she's there walking back and talking to the spirits, thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to die. <laughs> Thanks, Tina, for helping me along the way. Isn't the backdrop painting lovely? She, she did. <laughs> she must have been. She went to go see the spirits, to go and get the bear totem. No, he left the well, yeah. Yeah. But they didn't know that was going to happen. They, they thought, probably did. When she gave the bear totem to Kenai, yeah. she didn't know. She probably did. No. She like winked and went, "Oh, it's a good one." Yeah. To get him excited. Yeah, but like, but he, they didn't do anything at that point. 
It's how he reacted to the bear totem, which led to everything. But why did she know where he was going to be? And how did she know exactly what had happened? Because when things went wrong and he We're called keeping the bear, this, by the way. Sorry? We're keeping this? Yep, that's fine. <laughs> it's just a, a slow fade on her argument. <laughs> exactly. Is that the... But when he killed the bear, that's when the spirits were like, uh-oh, that's gone wrong. <laughs> Well, well, there's He's a, not showing oops, love. Oops, we fucked up. Yeah, no, he, no, it was more of a he needs to be guided to follow his totem. Oh, so it's his fault that he was given a bullshit totem. No, it wasn't his fault. They, it was his. It was meant to be. It was meant to be, and the spirits did nothing to aid this. Well, they then turned him into a bear to help him on his way. But they had to, so they had to l- kill the older brother first. Well, that, that, that either was or wasn't meant to happen. It did happen. But it could have been Obviously, stopped. This is my argument that it could have been stopped. Yes, but the spirits don't always do things that way. They, they can't sh- save everyone. But they, they should That's do. That's the point of it. They welcome you. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're dead. You can be a spirit then. You can be a spirit and, you know, we're going to leave an orphan, tiny, cute bear. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah we're we'll killing that. Yeah, it's fine. You can do it. Well done, spirits. All the spirits got together and thought, who's going to die now? Brother yes. I mean, to be fair, I think, to be fair, the brother did kill himself. Mm. So, you know, great leadership there. And then the bear died. Yeah. And then little toads got no one. So the spirits were like, we have to intervene, we have to help. But and who? turn Keenan into a bear so he can learn how to love and he can look after Kendra. But the same who, time. who started this whole chain of events off? No one. Tanana. No! Yes. It's her job to give totems. Well, she's gonna be a shit job then, hasn't she? Okay, of course, all this with the closing music. <laughs> You'll see, be in my heart. Are you Team Kelly or Team Andy? <laughs> right in. I've been struggling to think of a good bear related intro. Um, um, bear with us because we are all poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you were feeling poorly? Ah, poorly. Poorly. It doesn't. It doesn't work with an American accent, but my voice is a little hoarse. Wait, there's no horse in this film. God damn it! No, your voice is a little grizzly today. Ah, <laughs> I've grown a, a, a moustache. I'm not working very. <laughs> Oh, right, I'll start the backup record. Okay. Um, I started recording already. We might even use this as a uh, as um, an outtake. <laughs> yeah, all That's our fair work. Um, <laughs> I had something about, like, from the Hundred Acre Wood and from Darkest Peru, but I can't think of a third famous bear. Um, that, that's some deep oh, stuff. Darkest Peru. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Winnie from The Hundred. Oh, you said that one. Yeah. Um, or like a Goldilocks thing, you know, Papa Bear, Mama Bear, Cranky Bear, whatever. The one who's just right. The one who's just... <laughs> okay. What? Um, Have you gone down to the woods today? The, the teddy bear's picnic. Have you, is that a thing in America? I, well, I, I only know because you did a parody with... Um, oh, yeah. The Pancakes. <laughs> The pancakes. Teddy <laughs> um, uh, rug spin. 
Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. I want to kill Phil Collins with a knife. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Part of Your World. Um, should we start with that or do something else? <laughs> That's a bit dark. <laughs> yeah, that talks a bit mean, but we'll, although we will get to Phil Collins. We will get to Phil Collins, but not the murder part. No, 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 no. No, there are worse people than he. Than he. Quite. Yeah. Um, he's one of those celebrities that Donald Trump used the music of illegally and who like, issued a cease and desist, so he has my sympathy. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, will you shut up? No. Just 